0: everyone. This is Casey Soveria, your host of the Farming for Passive Income show. Today, we have Dave Wolcott. Dave, how you doing, man? Doing great, Casey. Really looking forward to today's conversation. I have been fascinated about your wealth strategy and your firm and your journey over the last um, 20 years with Pathion Investments. And I would really love to get, get into it today.
1: Yeah, sounds great. Looking forward to it.
0: Yeah. So if you're a passive investor, and if you're thinking about investing in real estate, but you're not sure where to go, how to start, you know, how would you direct a passive investor along that path?
1: Yeah, so good question. And, and maybe I'll just provide a little context kind of on my background and, and how I came upon this really is that, um, you know, I went to school got out and and was in the Marine Corps, uh, served my time there, uh, got to serve my country. Uh, That was a great experience. But when I got out, I transitioned to corporate America and I knew nothing about investing. Right? I didn't know what an accredited investor was, things like that. Um, And then in 2000, my wife and I actually hit the baby lottery and we had triplets. Oh, man. Our, our wow. family literally uh, quadrupled and nothing will have you examining your financials, you know, more than increasing your family like that. Right. So um, I talked to my financial planner was one of the first things that I did. And I just got so frustrated with them all saying the same thing. Right. You know, put your money in 401ks, uh, dollar cost average, diversify, uh, you'll make 7% over the long term. Um, and all of these assumptions that really I started to question. And so I, it, that really put me on this kind of obsessive journey with figuring out how are the top 1% really building their wealth? Because it's not as a retail investor in stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, right? Contrary to what Wall Street will have you believe. Um, so over the past 20 years, I've basically spent uh, becoming an investor in the cash flow quadrant, right? Robert Kiyosaki talks about being an investor and a business yeah. owner. So I became an investor. I invested in all kinds of alternative assets, from oil and gas to raw land to you know retail, multifamily, office. Um, I also built three businesses uh, along the way, and I learned a lot about tax planning uh, during that time, and raising a big family and having businesses you know i realized that there's a few key things that you're trying to do in terms of build wealth right and that's really all about um not only multiplying your money but really protecting your money as well yeah so i developed um and wrote a book actually called the holistic wealth strategy uh, which is just a a wealth strategy that's really a comprehensive approach um to looking at your wealth and how can you build your wealth really like the one percent are doing?
0: Mm-hmm. So when you uncovered that whole journey, the the three businesses, where does it all begin for you
1: in your journey? Yeah, so I really just questioned you know I, i'm an I'm an entrepreneur at heart, right? So entrepreneurs are driven by freedom. They want freedom of money. They also want freedom of purpose to do what it is they wanna do they want to have freedom of time to do it when they want to do. And they also want to have freedom of relationship to do it, you know, with who they want to do. Uh, so that was the big driver to me. And then I also, you know, being a curious person and wanting to learn, I was challenging everything that was coming out of this $30 trillion financial services industry that says put everything into, you know, stocks and bonds. Um, so that's when I started to look, at alternative assets and started to realize that, wow, do you know what? I could do, you know, I could three, four X the amount of returns. Uh, and by the way, I could do it in a much safer fashion, right I could mm. invest in tangible assets, right That's you know something that's you know you can touch and feel versus you know paper assets, right And I just always felt like the stock market was just such a casino and you had absolutely no control. But when you take something like you know a multifamily apartment, you know you're you know you're literally providing housing for people that, People need housing, right? And then I'm also looking at the macro dynamics of investing in different asset classes where you know you're on there is some kind of supply demand imbalance. Uh, the fundamentals are on your side. Uh, so we do a lot of oil and gas investing as well. And mm, okay. you know, take look take a look at energy, right? energy is literally at the heart of everything on a global basis. I mean, you wouldn't even be able to power your electric cars, right? If you didn't have, you know, the energy, you wouldn't be able to heat your house, right? Uh, Women wouldn't be able to put on makeup, right? Because these are all petroleum-based products. So when you can be on the right side of that equation, Uh, for certain investments, you know, you realize that actually you start getting more outsized returns and actually reducing your risk at the same time.
0: Oil and gas. That is an interesting one that I don't hear a lot of people talking about in our space. Can you dive a little deeper in that for the audience?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So our fund um We're basically investing in oil producing wells. So this isn't uh, speculative exploratory stuff. It's called PDP, which is uh, proven developed production, uh, where we have a set of wells and we're putting uh, basically spending capital to Optimize these wells so you can get mm. uh increase your flush production, is what they what they call it. So you're basically driving up uh the flow and the rate of oil and gas. Um, the huge thing about this is that if you're a W-2 high-income earner, you can literally offset your investment, is a hundred percent deductible against active income which is really huge for a lot of, you know, uh, high income earners. So if you invested 100k uh, in the first year, you'd probably have 80% uh, $80,000 deduction against your active income. Um, so that's a really big benefit right out of the gate. Uh, you also have some very solid uh, cash flow that comes from, you know, the oil and the gas. Um, and then in our fund, which is very unique, Um, It actually, there's a disposition where we're selling and having a series of divestitures where we'll sell a subset of the assets uh, to some bigger guys like Exxon, uh, Mobile, ConocoPhillips, things like that, right? Um, And that way, there's actually a multiple on the back end, very similar to a multifamily project. So and that's really the heart of our investment thesis is we're looking at assets that are tax efficient number 1 number 2 they've got predictable passive income and number 3 there's some type of forced appreciation on the back end
0: mhm so when you look at the portfolio of those assets how do you group them and or how do you think about grouping them and
1: then selling them off to an institutional player uh, so there's multiple comps out there um, that that they have you know there's other there's people doing this all the time and the big guys love these assets because again this is you know proven developed production it's uh, you know all the geology the exploration everything has has been done um, so you know they're always looking to increase their portfolio so from a comp standpoint that's very solid. And then if you also just look at, you know, the again, the macroeconomics uh, right now, we're just in a period where we believe there's going to be a, a very strong window for the next few years uh, for oil and gas. I mean, part of that's being driven by the the war in Russia and Ukraine right now. It's driving up uh, gas prices. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we've, we've we've been feeling the pain at the pump uh, on the oil prices and and really, not only is the supply demand imbalance uh, really strong there, but you also have this just big imbalance in terms of the global infrastructure. So even if we wanted to increase capacity, like it's, it's literally going to take years to put infrastructure in place to be able to deliver that.
0: How many years do you or does it take to
1: build new supply in this market? Well, it's a very capital intensive business. So uh, as we get capital, I mean, you can literally drill and have a new well in place, like inside of 30 days, right? right. Um, You know, so it's, it's very fast, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and then you're, you're producing, and you're capturing that, you know, oil, like our fund is actually a 50 50 oil and gas, which is also kind of a nice built in hedge, because the two aren't always correlated uh, in terms of pricing. So that's Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's a nice hedge. Yeah.
0: So, that's a fund that,
1: or an offering that you guys currently have on the table for your investors? Uh, correct. We we just mm-hmm. closed out uh, our last fund that was 75 million and that was oversubscribed. And then uh, we're about to launch our next one in October.
0: Very cool. Very cool, Dave. So when you think about, you mentioned the offsetting active income part of that, is that is that a different way to do it than real estate, passive income offsetting, or are there nuances
1: between the two? Yeah, correct. Right. So you want to think of income in terms, there's different buckets of income that you can have. You know, you've got your ordinary income that's Typically from a W-2 job, right? It's coming in, but it's being taxed at the highest rates. Um, you have passive income, is another bucket of income that comes in. Typically from, you know, a real estate syndication or real estate property, uh, and then along with the so with each of those buckets, there are losses. So in real estate, typically you have those passive losses, and you know we talk about bonus depreciation, right? And you take mm-hmm. those losses to offset. Uh, the income and the gains that you have on the real estate side, Uh, but it does not apply to your W-2 income, right? And W-2 income, um, you know, if you're in the highest tax bracket, you know, I mean, plus your state taxes, I mean, you're probably paying at least 40% or more in taxes. So any way to reduce that, and that's why we kind of, you know, we talk about, you know, strategic tax planning is kind of part of our wealth strategy, because just think if you can reduce your taxes by, you know, 10, 15%, I mean, what would that do to your overall returns, right? That's net investable money that you can redeploy into additional, um, you know, uh, investments. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: just shaving 10% off of that number. And if you continually compound those returns over time, it really becomes a nice little bucket of money at the end of end of a few years. Few as in twenty, <laughs>
1: but yeah. Yeah, 100%, because I I think, you know, and Wall Street really has kind of, let's say, brainwashed us right into thinking that we're looking for one particular ROI, like, let's say, you know, this stock is yielding a 9% return. So we just kind of think very one dimensionally, you know, but in some of these assets, right, that we're talking about, what if you can get, you know, say you're getting a 20% return on your investment right? On an annualized basis, but you could also get a 15% break on taxes. So now it's more like a 35% return. And then we also leverage the infinite banking strategy and help our clients uh, set those up. And that could give you a couple more points. So now you're up to like a 35, it's 37% return, you know? So it's, it's yeah. really kind of creating this exponential wealth, uh, uh, really results with your wealth plan, um, by looking at it from an end to end lens.
0: Mm -hmm. So infinite banking, that's a topic that's, it it seems like infinite banking is more of a buzzword in the past few years for me, at least. And I, I'm still fairly new to infinite banking. Um, but how would you go about unpacking infinite banker if you met them on the street?
1: Yeah, sure. And no. And really, the industry is very, um, let's say, bifurcated. Uh, there's a lot of confusion in the marketplace. Um, it was really a concept developed by Nelson Nash. And, and it's really a, 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 an approach, right? I mean, just like investing, I mean, we're, we kind of think of investing as like based on a particular product, right? But if you're a real investor, you know, it's a process, not a product, right? So infinite banking is actually a process. The product that you structure it around is a whole life life insurance policy, dividend paying life insurance policy. So you create this cash value in the life insurance policy, and you're able to actually Not only have the life insurance component, right, which has inherent benefits to it, like we're all familiar with, uh, but it does some other things, right? So, number one is it creates essentially a capital warehouse or a place for you to store all of your capital, right? That that Mm -hmm. is at the lowest risk possible. It's actually less risky to have your money with an insurance company than it is to have it in a bank. Um, it compounds tax-free at a rate of roughly five and a half percent. So you're, you're, you're making some, some good compounding tax-free there. Um, it's actually got some inherent risk protection to it, which is really nice. So since it's, uh, life insurance, if a creditor were to come after you, um, you've created one layer that they can't access this. If you have money in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, your primary residence, that's the first place a creditor is going to look. Um, the other thing that will do is it creates uh, basically a tax-free uh, income stream in your retirement years um, where you're actually pulling money out of the policy to create, it's, it's essentially a tax-free loan. So that's why you can get the money tax-free um, and you never outlive your money. So you can be drawing on it from 65 to age 120 um, and have that regular consistent income. And we're all passive investors, right? On this show. So, you know, what greater passive investment is there? you know, then then having something that's really predictable and low risk and tax efficient kind of come in. Mm -hmm. And then Casey, the, the, I mean, the real, really cool thing that you can do with this is um, it provides liquidity, right? And you have control of your money. So you actually build up this cash value in the policy and you can actually borrow against the policy to do a lot of different things. You can borrow it to pay for your kid's college, You could borrow it to invest in the next, you know, um, multifamily opportunity that you have. You know, you can do whatever you want. You can actually buy a car with it. Uh, You could go pay cash and buy a car and then set up the loan with yourself, right? So you're paying back yourself, right, the loan. And what that does is it creates, by setting this up, it creates a lot more velocity in your overall strategy. Right. And it also creates this whole layer of protection because we all get caught up in the fact of, you know, you know, bigger ROI, bigger number, bigger net worth, better multiple, all of these things. But but we also have to be really conscientious of protecting our wealth. Right. As we're growing. Um, And this is, you know, essentially ultra high net worth family offices. This is the core of what they set up to provide that you know liquidity and safety. Mhm.
0: But it's something that the ultra wealthy are doing right now but it's also something readily available for any person.
1: Well, it's it's available but it's as you pointed out earlier it's very commonly misunderstood um and it's I would say offered in different ways to different people and mm. and part of that is you know you need to structure it the right way. I you know, I can't emphasize enough that working with someone who really understands how you're going to utilize it and then working with a mutual insurance company, uh, not a stock insurance company, but a mutual insurance mm-hmm. company uh, is key to setting that up. Because if you were to just get on your phone and talk to your financial planner or your insurance company and say, I'd like to set up a whole life policy, they'll say, okay, sure. Right. And, but they, and then if you say infinite banking, they won't know you what you're talking about. Right. Cause okay. it's a very, it's a very unique structure. It's a very unique way to do it. Um, I think only you know, very few firms can actually do it and kind of put it up, put it out there.
0: Okay. Dave, thanks for that clarification. Cause it's definitely, yeah, those nuances in these alternative strategies that you talk about there definitely needs to be more clarification around that in the space. So, yeah, thank you for clarifying that a little bit more for us. You bet. So, as you, if, back to that arbitrage um, you mentioned earlier, basically, you become your own bank. So, how how exactly can people think about that arbitrage and why is it really that beneficial to them?
1: Yeah. So let's say, um, you know, there's a cost to setting up the policy, just like, you know, you have a cost to any insurance. Right. And then outside of your cost, you get this cash value. So let's just say you've paid for your cost and take that out of the equation for a second and you have 100K in a policy. Well, that's the cash value of the policy. So basically you have an asset on your balance sheet that's worth 100K. Now, that is compounding at, like I said, roughly 5.5%. You can take a loan on on that if that's the liquid amount that you have available. You take out that 100K and let's say we put it into a real estate syndication that's making an 18% return. Uh, You can take a loan for, say, 3.5% and you're making 5.5%. So you've got this little arbitrage play, right? Where you're making this two point spread on your money over Mm -hmm. here on one side. And then on the other side, you're making 18% on your multifamily play. So now you've got, you know, if you net it out, you know, now you're making 20%, right? Because you're using the same dollar twice. And that's Mm -hmm. really the beauty of this. And and I know it's, you know, this is a lot, you know, if, if you haven't heard about this strategy before, it takes a little while to really get your head around it. Um, it, it, you know, it, it takes some figuring out.
0: Hmm. Yeah. It, when I first heard about this, it, it almost seemed too good to be true in a sense. So if I'm a person coming in to say, well, maybe let's just back up a little bit, Dave. I think I heard someone maybe on another podcast, but I think you or your firm provides some type of infinite baking solutions. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. Okay, cool. Well, that's good to know also for the listeners. Where can they reach out for that type of stuff?
1: Uh, Yeah, if people want to just register with us, it's just uh, Mm -hmm. pantheoninvest.com and you can just uh, sign up there and um, yeah, we will reach out and connect.
0: Okay, perfect. But before we hop on or hop off, I should say, um, I know a big piece of the Pathion investment is like the mindset around everything. Like it's really the one of the bases of your core strategy. And I was just wondering if you could unpack that a little bit and with some of the mindset shifts that you guys talk about, because from my journey as a passive investor as well, I know that I had to overcome a lot of these um, hurdles mental hurdles in myself and investment strategies. So how can you help others um, overcome those hurdles in a quicker fashion?
1: Yeah. So great question, Casey. And yeah, this really evolved really from, you know, my journey as well and breaking down all of these myths, right. That kind of come from wall street or, or your parents or your employers. And so things like, let's just say, Deferring your taxes is a good idea. Well, you're going to get a tax deduction this year. And you know, that's that's a smart thing to do. Your employer is encouraging you to do it. Your parents did it, right? So what you know, why shouldn't I do that? Well, the more you kind of you know look into it, you realize that wow, and you've got a farming community. So I'll use this analogy, right? Is wouldn't you rather pay taxes on the seed rather than the harvest? Mm. Right. But it wasn't until I could let my mind go and, and get dispel, you know, some of these beliefs and myths that were out there that, hey, deferring your tax is a good thing to do. Everyone does that. Right. But I had to get my ma- mind around it. And it's the same like as I talk to, you know, new investors or people who are new to investing outside of Wall Street, right they're they're still stuck with this um, you know, a lot of these beliefs, right? That this is how we do it. Right. And, or things that they'll say that that sounds too risky. I mean, how many times have you heard that one? Well, risk is just because you don't understand something, but the more, you know, you learn about, let's say a multifamily, the asset class, like you'll realize how actually much more safe and sturdy and solid and dependable that asset is than, Investing in some paper stock that can move down by 10 points in a day based upon what happened in China the night before, right? But you have to let your mind go. You have to be inquisitive. You have to be open minded. And it's really, you know, I think having a growth mindset, right? So kind of dispelling yeah. those beliefs. Um, it's also about uh, creating your why, Casey, right? Um, You know, for me, like I said, it all started with this journey with, you know, my family and, you know, it's like, how am I going to be able to provide for get four kids into college and, and live the life that we want to do, you know? And so we had a really big vision and we wanted to live that. But once that vision becomes really crystallized for you, you know, I think then your mindset can say, okay, now we're on this GPS, we have our GPS set, we're on this course, you know, really to achieve this. So, you know, so I think that's really powerful. And then, you know, as you're going along in your journey, what kind of, you know, habits are you creating to support your vision? What type of goals are you setting to actually get there, right? Are you, are you making a difference every 90 days, you know, every year uh, towards changing your mindset to living that wealthy lifestyle? And, and frankly, you know, The reason we call it holistic wealth is, you know, it's, you know, my vision is very different than your vision and, and someone else's. And it's kind of interesting because once you really do some deep thinking about this, it's not necessarily how much your net worth is or a particular dollar value. It's really like living a life of intention, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And being able to say, you know, what is it that you're really looking for? Is it being able to spend more time, you know, with your kids, you know, or your parents who are aging or, you know, or building a business or creating impact? You know, what are what are the things that that really are fascinating and motivating for you, you know, that you're charged up every day to achieve? And when you have a clear vision, you know, I think you're much more, you know, able to be able to get success.
0: Yeah, Dave, fully agree with that sentiment. And when I think about the vision and, you know, going forward for me and um, people in my community, what always gets me hung up on is people's unique unique ability and how, you know, Carol Dweck wrote a book on this, um, great book. Um, But what is the unique ability of that one person? What do they really enjoy doing? When they enjoy doing those things, it brings more value to others. And is that also part of your holistic strategy, you know focusing on some of that unique ability?
1: Hundred percent. And it's interesting you mentioned that term, right? So a lot of unique ability was actually developed by uh, Dan Sullivan, uh, the founder of Strategic Coach, And mm-hmm. I've been a member of that for five years now. Um, I actually just had Julia Waller on who's the primary coach at Strategic Coach talking about unique ability. So if you're, you know, an entrepreneur, you're looking to, you know, really grow, you know, personally and professionally, um, this concept of unique Unique ability, which is essentially the conative aspect of your brain. So, not the emotional or the intelligence part, but the conative part. So, it's your instinctual wiring. Um, and it breaks it down into basically four different dimensions. And the more you can be true to these dimensions of how you're wired, uh, essentially, the happier you're going to be and the more successful you're going to be. Um, but it's ironic, right? Because in school, you know, they teach you to be kind of a jack of all trades and try to be, you know, work on your weaknesses and all these things, but in the business life and and everything, it's really much more about understanding where your strengths are, doubling down on your strengths. And then also, you know, you're going to be much more fulfilled, right? When you're doing what you're good at doing.
0: Mm-hmm. hmm
1: Yeah. It's, to me, it, it's
0: almost like when you focus on your unique ability, it is the qualitative return of compounded returns, basically. Like when you think about the compounding your returns 8% over year over 20 years, it's a much larger effect than going up 40% and then down 20% in the stock market. And it's almost like that is the jack-of-all-trades version of the stock market. But when you flip over returns qualitatively, you do that with your unique ability or at least I feel like that is like the easiest way. I have a finance brain. So for me to understand that conceptually um, I feel like that unique ability basically gets us there. But um, so Dave, before we close out and thank you so much for hopping on, telling us about your, your business, I think the, your oil and gas investments or your opportunities are um, very strategic and very powerful, um, for the, for the average investor out there, retail investors, which we both of us try and try and help. Is there anything that you would like to leave us with, um, before we close
1: out? Yeah. You know, I would just leave it on kind of what we talked about earlier is just, you know, getting crystal clear on that vision statement for yourself, right? Because that really drives everything. And it's, you know increasingly difficult in this day and age where we're constantly bombarded with you know incoming from texts and emails and phone calls and 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 all all day long we're getting marketed to we're getting you know barraged all the time Uh, But spend some quality time, maybe on your, your next vacation or getting out of the office, getting away from home and really do some deep thinking on, you know, what your vision is, you know, what your why is. And the one question I really like to ask people is to say, look, if you had all the money in the world, what would you be doing? Where would you be and who would you be with? Right. And once you can kind of get some clarity around that uh, it's amazing how powerful that becomes to, you know, driving you right in your overall purpose. such a good question to end
0: with. And I advocate for everyone on listening to this, to ask yourself that just ponder it, ponder it over. Um, I've done it myself many years and continue to do it because it's also something that develops over time as well.
1: But Dave, thank you so
0: much again. Where can people find more about you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, grateful to be here, Casey. Really enjoyed uh, the discussion. Um, If folks want to get a free copy um, of our wealth strategy, they can just go to pantheoninvest.com forward slash wealth hyphen strategy. Awesome. Dave, thank you again um,
0: for all the listeners till next time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Dave. See ya. Thanks.